The Greenhouse Effect is sponsored by Greenlight Photography. Check the show notes for details. Last week, I took a picture of my cat. Her name is Puppy. It's a cute picture, but you should see my daddy's pictures. They're great. You should check them out. Go to Linktree slash Greenlight Photo and get your own copy. Okay, I gotta go play with Puppy. Bye! Good afternoon, everybody. It is 12 o'clock on a Thursday, which means one thing and one thing alone. You are inside the greenhouse effect, and I am your host, Hayden Green. And the greenhouse effect, as you know, is a take on, you know, this week's events and what's happening. And um, and it's from a multicultural point of view, from your ever-loving favorite polymath from Brooklyn, Hayden Green. That's me. That's me. I'm, I am that ever-loving polymath that that you love to hear spew his thoughts and his multicultural point of views. And so that's what we do here for a good 40, 45 minutes. And then, uh, and then I give you my top five, and and then I release you all into the wild so that you can go live your life and and be prosperous out in the world. So today's show is, uh, it, it, I might start rambling. I'm just gonna go ahead and let people know. That tonight, my today might be a, a rambling show because uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about on one particular topic, but that one particular topic has a lot of layers to it, right? So we might end up in a number of different places. So bear with me for a little bit, but I, I, I as as I always promise you, I'm gonna you know keep you in the in the loop and 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 trying to make sure that you have a proper insight on what's going on in the world uh for those of you who are listening on the podcast feel free to answer the questions um wherever they are whether you're listening on apple or spotify or any one of the the outlets there's a questions some questions there for you to listen to uh for those of you who are listening live right now on facebook live feel free to drop in your comments and and we will uh, have that back and forth that everybody is always uh, anxious to get. So we are, we are in the midst of. Uh, so for those of you who are uninitiated, I I live in in New York City in the People's Republic of Brooklyn, and I am. Uh, so New York is. This is a time of year that New York gets a little bit weird uh, because we are. You know, we have uh, chilly weather one one part of the day and, and hot weather the next part of the day. So, you know, we're trying to suffer through it. And, and all of my friends, speaking of suffering, all of my friends who are suffering from allergy season right now, they are dying. Right. So I, I have a great amount of sympathy for them. And uh, but we're just trying to get through it and trying to get into summer. Summer in New York, let me tell you something. A lot of people say what they want about living in the cold or what, you know, living uh, outside, living this far up north and how do I deal with it and all the rest of that stuff, especially since the fact that most of y'all know that I am Caribbean. I'm from Trinidad. And so 
we deal with the cold in New York City in order to experience summer in New York City. There is no place other, there is no place like New York City for the, during the summertime. Um, and I, you know, I, I put money on that. You, y'all could come at me from all the different different parts of the world. Listen, summer in New York City, it makes it worth all of the uh, the cold that there is. And, and the miserable weather that we have to endure, and even the, the fluctuating weather that we enjoy just before summer. But summer in the city is is crazy, and, and I love it, and I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, Frat Brother Cortez Stallings tapping in. What's happening, brother? Uh, thank you for listening. So, um, I, uh, like I said, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, of course, the, at the top of the list is the Buffalo Massacre. And we will be delving into that and peeling that back a little bit because um, on the surface, it's a white nationalist um, saying that he wants to kill as many black people as he wants. But when you start to peel back the layers, there's a lot of stuff to talk about there. Um, and so we'll we'll deal with that. We are trying to I'm going to try to to because we could have a whole day's worth of conversation about uh, mass shootings in general and some of the stuff that you all missed, may have missed. Uh, and so we're going to delve into that a little bit. Uh, but I want to talk about Biggie and Malcolm X uh, in, a, in a few minutes. Uh, yes, Biggie and Malcolm X in the same breath. And, I, and you'll see where I'm going with that. Uh, so, and then our top five, uh, my top five this, this week is a, I promised you what my top five was last week, that it would be my top five animated movies. And uh, full disclosure, when I said top five animated movies, I was like, oh, this is going to be simple. I, I know what my top five is. I, I can pretty much guess this. And then I like delved down into animated movies, and I realized I may like animated movies more than regular movies. So this was actually a more difficult top five than I anticipated. So, you know. That stick around to see what my top five is, if it matches with your top five is. Uh, for those of you who are listening on live, feel free to drop in what your top five is as the as the podcast goes on, and we'll we'll parse that out later on. Uh, if you are listening on the podcast on Spotify, Apple, uh, Stitcher, or anyone wherever you get your um your, your podcast uh there's a, a place for you to put your top five in and see if it matches up with mine's uh stat stobers that's my cousin uh she says there's nothing like brooklyn in the summer listen so in the in the summertime i when i leave work on a thursday and i don't come back until monday i don't leave brooklyn right <laughs> like literally brooklyn in the summer in new york is Everywhere you, it's everything that you want it to be. So we talked a little bit about that uh, last week. So I, I, I want to make, I want to make aptly sure that y'all recognize that if y'all want to be somewhere in the summertime, come to Brooklyn. Um, actually, you know, don't come to Brooklyn. We're already crowded. We're full. Go to the Bronx. <laughs> oh man. So we got people chiming in on uh, on Facebook Live. Liz is on with us, um, and my mom Brenda Green. So watch what y'all say. My mom's on here, and you know she a pit bull. So be cool. All right. So let's. Uh, I, I I do want to start. I, I do want to start though with an issue that I have, which is um, my children are becoming me. Uh, and and not the me that I am now, the me that I was when I was younger. And my mom's probably going to chime in here because she's 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 going to laugh at what I'm about to say. 
I, I have a, a, a real this to this morning my child wanted to put ice in her water bottle. Now the ice dispenser in the refrigerator spews ice everywhere. So you need a cup, right? You can't just it, it won't fall into the thing. So she used a cup to get ice from the refrigerator and then took the ice and put the ice cubes into her water bottle so she could go to school. And then she proceeded to try to put the cup in the sink. Here's where I lost my mind. I was like, wait a minute. You're not washing dishes. You're not doing any of this stuff. And you, she washes dishes on the weekend, not on, on during, you know, school days. And, and, and so you didn't even dirty this cup. It just had ice in it. All you got to do is wash it out at most and put it on the drain rack. But now you want to put it in the sink for somebody else to come around later on to wash it for you. And my kids are notorious for this. We'll take a, a sip of water don't, and then just dump the cup right in the sink. And I'm like... The sink is empty. Just take two seconds, wash that out, and put it on the drainage sink. And as I'm saying this to my daughter, I realize, well, goddamn, I think I did the same thing when I was a kid. And my mom is probably on here going, yep, yeah, I did. Right? <laughs> so it's like, there's got to be a way, and, and I don't know when this changes, but there's got to be a way to like curb that behavior much earlier. Because... All kids do this, and 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 as as is evidence from the fact that I'm sure that I did it when I was a kid, and now my kids are doing it and driving me crazy. And I was like, listen, it's especially when the sink is empty. Now I get it. If the sink is full of dishes, it's like, hey, what's one more dish? Right? Whoever's gonna wash the dishes is gonna add just one more dish to it. I get that. Empty sink. You're gonna put a cup that just had ice cubes in it in there for somebody to wash. <sighs> Yes, I know. First world problems. But that's what hit me this morning. Uh, so also what hit me this morning, uh, you know, you know, minor segue. What hit me this morning was that uh, Cortez said there's no way to change that behavior earlier. Unfortunately, I, 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 you know, we've already passed that point, so they're already in it. But yes, we're going to have to start curbing that behavior. And we've had that conversation uh, about, like, don't just put a... a you know, one cup in a sink or stuff like that, but like, it, whatever. Um, so this morning I woke up and there was a, um, uh, a news report that Biggie Smalls, uh, Christopher Wallace, the only Christopher that we celebrate on Columbus, uh, on, on, uh, <laughs> in New York City, um, or in Brooklyn at least, um, Christopher Wallace uh, would have been 50 today or a couple, may, maybe tomorrow. I forget what day it is, right? I remember March 9th. I don't remember the day that he was born. Um, and so they are putting his likeness on uh, MetroCard, which I found extremely ironic. And at the same time, today is Malcolm X's birthday. Uh, Malcolm X was born in 1925, I believe, or something like that. And so today is Malcolm X's birthday. And so there's a whole bunch of people posting about Malcolm X and there, you know, there was a newscast about Malcolm X. And it, it, it struck me as ironic and really just, just weird because one of the things that we were, that, that we are conscious of, or when I say we, people who do diversity work and, and really talk about historical figures and stuff like that, is that during the time that these people were creating a name for themselves or becoming popular, they were not as beloved as they are in their death, 
right? And so one of the, the interesting things is that uh, people oftentimes talk about Malcolm, not Malcolm, uh, Martin Luther King, and, you know, we look at Mega, not Mega Everest, um, Marcus Garvey, and even Mandela, all people starting with M names. Uh, and so we look back at them and we're like, oh, there was, you know, they're so, they're so very, um, beloved you know as as history historical figures uh but i'm old enough to remember that biggie smalls was not loved by new york city right not, the black community yes right but when biggie was coming up he has a song about the fact that people would call the cops on him you know and a metric i think he's in the life about probably would turn styles like people in the, and run up for and, and in the United so it's really always going to be these figures to be rather in the so hearing that this morning old saying is like you either be long enough sometimes you'd villain long you'd be hero in this history for Biggie Smalls now but Biggie it's really to see his card right to honor Biggie Smalls a like just big right this is big and so happens and conversation was one of the things that I want to say right now or is not a flatter the thing will remember like can we capture who will be right now and so this is the this is somebody like Liberty Year line with like that something. And so that's really the interesting piece of it. You try right now who those people are. Victoria, I'm gonna have to kick you out of the chat for that Kevin Samuels <laughs> that Kevin Samuels post. But my point is is that there's probably somebody who's just as vilified as Kevin Samuels, who later on down the line we will be like, Oh my god, that their thought process was way beyond their time. Um, what's going on in the chat? Say, uh, Cortez, you got to make money off of those uh, Metro cards. Stat says he was arrested all the time. He has a video of him jumping the turnstile. Yeah, I, I seem to remember that, So, but thank you for that. I, I feel like I remember him talking about getting arrested for jumping turnstiles all the time. So it's ironic for him to be on a Metro card. Cortez says, you know, white folk, generally speaking, love black culture and hate black people. Right. Want to be black. They love black culture until it's time to actually be black. That's that's a narrative that we see all the time. But that's cultural appropriation across the lines. Right. So we see that for a lot of different things. Um, uh, Cortez said we have to celebrate our own while they're here. Um uh, wisdom chiming in as Kurt. Kurt says, Kevin will be considered a genius in about 10 years. Um, Cuz says, I have seen more love for Kevin since he's been gone. And and so Kevin Kevin Samuels is a polarizing lightning rod of a, of a figure because when you parse out what he's saying, a lot of it is based on a lot of people will say are factual information or, or really uh, opinionated stuff. But his knock, the knock on Kevin was that he, his delivery and the way that he, um, he, he, he packaged his message in what felt like misogynistic um, attitudes uh, really derailed from what he was actually trying to say. So it's, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about his messaging. And so if you read what he's saying, so like, for instance, you take a transcript of what he's saying and you play it back or you parse it out later on and you take out the misogynistic pieces of it, it makes sense, right? And so therein lies the, the, the complications of what 
you know, uh, how we think about stuff. Even with Biggie Smalls, people are going to be like, I don't know how y'all are, you know, bigging up this guy when, you know, he was a philanderer or, you know, he... Um, uh, he hit some. He hit a woman, or you know, and so those were the commentaries when he was when he was alive. And so now it's really interesting to see all of this play out coming back down. You know, twenty, thirty years later, um, Kurt says the city's trying to get to come up off a of big and ride black culture until the wheels fall off. But again, Kurt, it's really interesting to hear that kind of commentary because they could have picked anybody. They could have picked a lot of people. Uh, they could have picked Jam Master J if they wanted to go hip hop. Jam Master J is not as polarizing as um, as Biggie Smalls is. And even if you want, you could go on with the Run DMC, and that's Run DMC, and that's a group that's still two thirds of them are still alive. Uh, there's actually a fourth member of Run DMC for those of you who actually know hip-hop, uh, but you could look that up later. And so it's really interesting ab about the, the, you know, the narrative behind uh, picking Biggie Smalls. And maybe they will do Run DMC or, and because they want to... And, and Cortez says, yeah, they could have picked Malcolm X. And so I, I think even with Malcolm X, I think there's still some people who are a little bit salty about Malcolm X and, and probably would have pushed back about how is the city glorifying somebody that they had on their most wanted list, right? So, uh, it's really interesting. All right. So let's take a quick break and then we will delve into, uh, the shooting at Buffalo, and uh, that's going to take up a, a great deal of time. And then we'll get into our top five a little bit later on. So we'll take a quick break. All right, and we are back. We were just talking about you. So uh, first of all, you're listening to The Greenhouse Effect, and The Greenhouse Effect is a breakdown of the week's events and, and what's in current affair, current events uh, from a multicultural point of view, and I am your host, and that multicultural point of view is mine. I'm Hayden Green. Uh, Kurt, just to jump back to last segment, Kurt says that Biggie has become so mainstream that people have forgotten what his lyrics actually meant about Brooklyn and New York as a whole. Um, uh, and so... At the, uh, my mom says the card looks nice. You should get one. Oh, I'm absolutely going to get one and I'm framing it. Um, I'm going to put like $1 on it, right? <laughs> I'm not even going to use it as a fair. I'm framing that bad boy and, uh, that'll go down and my wife is going to laugh at this. That'll go down in the archive section in the house. <laughs> uh, that's an inside joke. We'll talk about it at another time. All right. <sighs> All right. Here we go. Let's dive in. So for those of you who have not been, for how, some, somehow or the other, have not heard about this, uh, last week there was a shooting in Buffalo, and a man, and I'm not even going to say his name, um, but a man um, went into a Topps Buffalo, a Topps Buffalo, Topps is a Buffalo supermarket <clears throat> and shot up all of uh the supermarket and and shot 13 people and killed 10 of them um he is he had a manifesto that said that he wanted to kill as many black people as he possibly could we are finally seeing we're fine we're, we're now finding out that he intended on killing uh shooting up three different places um, until the cops stopped him, and the cops stopped him at 
at the tops. Um, and so these were people who were just going about their business and uh, and trying to live their lives. And, you know, everybody from somebody, a father who was buying a cake for a surprise birthday party for his son to, you know, grandmothers who were 84 years old and just were picking up a couple of different things. Um, and so we know because he live streamed it and we uh and because he had a manifesto that was saying what he that he was radicalized and i'm going to use that word because they use it for other people and when i say they you know who i'm talking about he was a, a radicalized white suprem white supremacist uh and he quoted um something that is now known as well not as now known but is uh, has been circulating throughout the internet is called uh the great replacement theory and i'm going to come back to that but a couple of things that we have to to really dig a little bit deeper into um we are in the midst of a i i don't want to call it a war uh, but it is a serious crisis in this country, um, and that is the gun culture and the ability for people to just get whatever they want. I saw a meme uh, yesterday that said, hey, I went to get f uh, formula, and they were out, so I picked up a couple of AK-47s while I was out, right? And so that's real. Because you can't get baby formula in this country, but you can walk down and get an AK-47 from a number of different places. Uh, and those are just the legal ones. You can just, I, right now, if I wanted to, I could run around the streets of the Bronx where I am right now and grab a gun. I could do it. I know how. And so it's not even, and it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And I'm not a criminal. So you know the people who are keyed into criminal enterprises have access to this stuff that is far easier than people give it credit for. We in this city, in New York City, do not have any gun manufacturers in New York State. None. There are no gun manufacturers in New York State. And so when you start to think about that, we have to really parse out where the guns are coming from and why they're not being controlled. And what is the rationale behind not controlling the flow of guns at what is now called the Iron Pipeway up through the north. And so this is, you know, people have talked about this ad nauseum. I'm not going to spend the entire time there. But we, we have gotten so desensitized to it that it's only the large ones that are... Are, that are hitting our um, that are hitting our zeitgeist that are, are making a, uh, a, a a dent on what we think, right? So the Buffalo shooting, and I don't know if people have record seen this. There has been a shooting at a church, and and the the, the location of the church where another person was killed. Uh, and the congregation was largely Viet Vietnamese in an Episcopalian church the day after the Buffalo shooting. I don't know if anybody caught that. Today, there was um, a shooting in Tennessee at Riverdale High the um, uh, State University. 
and they somebody shot up middle yeah, middle tennessee uh state university and one person was killed and a couple of other people were injured that's just in that's three mass shootings in a couple of days in just one week we have become completely desensitized to it and it's not even hitting as current news anymore because it's just like oh there was another shooting oh okay there was another shooting oh there was another shooting and um and the one thing that 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 we were at least me and my house and and the people who i speak to were really thankful for with the with the covid was that people were inside and the shootings were at a minimum and because nobody was around and there were no uh mass gatherings for people to shoot up but covid and uh, you know covid starting to go away and uh, and people starting to go back out in pub in, in public a lot of stuff has become normal again and the unfortunate truth of it is that mass shootings in the United States are normal. That's where we are. We are now at the point where mass shootings in the United States are normal. And so, when, you know, and also, just shootings where gun violence in, in the inner cities have also become normal. Right? And so, I, I, I saw a news report yesterday or a couple of days ago that there was a shooting in the Bronx um and and people were a little bit put off because it happened in broad daylight and uh there was this 12 year old child that got shot and uh, one of the people that they interviewed was like oh this is crazy that it happened at um it, it happened in the daylight uh you know we're accustomed to hearing it at night and but during the daylight during the daytime hours it's, that's a little crazy i was like we're accustomed to hearing gunshots at night. Nobody should have to make that statement, right? And, and, and they're happening in particular neighborhoods. And it's the black and brown neighborhoods, the disenfranchised neighborhoods, where, you know, the, the, the policing is random and the policing is targeted and, are you know, they're scooping up the baby with the bathwater. Um, and, you know, there's always this conversation like, oh, well, black people don't want police in their neighborhoods. Like, that's not true. We want police in our neighborhood catching the bad guys. We don't want police in our neighborhoods killing people who are ordin ordinary regular citizens. That's the difference. That's the narrative, right? There is no um, reticence to having a police presence in black neighborhoods. We want to be safe, too, right? And so... This is, you know, and, and so the, I'm not going to get into the whole uh, defund the police and all the rest of that stuff, but there is some real issues that are going on. And, you know, Eric Adams is trying to figure this out, but Eric Adams wants to just throw more cops at every situation. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best solution for it, but at least somebody's trying, I guess, is where, where you go with that. But this is, this is really getting to the point where we have got to do something. Uh, and if I knew what the something was, I'd be rich because I'd be able to pass that information on and we'd solve the problems. But I, I, I want to believe that people who are smarter than me also have um, a, a, a access to solutions. Um, all right. So 
stat says they were fighting hard on cannabis and war on drugs. Easier to get a gun versus ed- edibles in the dispensary in Pennsylvania. Yeah, that whole war on drugs is a whole nother story about how they wanted to criminalize the black and brown communities. Another story altogether. Uh, Cortez says desensitized like lynchings used to be. Um, uh, Victoria says like like police killing black and brown people is now absolutely. Uh, Kurt says in some ways winter winter beef plays out in summer streets. Uh, replace winter with COVID and add that fact that guns are even more accessible than they have been yet. So like people are having online beef and winter beef and now they're seeing people out in the out in the world. They're like, all right, well, now I see you. Now I'm going to get you. And that's really part of the narrative. Johnny says, we Buffalonians are not okay. I grew up a couple blocks from the store. It was more than a store. It was a community center for us. Angry, sad, angry. Listen, Johnny, and this is what the piece that I want to get into. So, this guy was not part of the community. So, it was not somebody who was like, oh my God, there's so many black people in this community. I'm going to kill black people because I don't like black people. This guy came from three hours away, drove three hours away to this particular community to kill black folk. And why did he go to the Tops? Well, Tops in that neighborhood is a food desert. They, they were a food desert. And what does that mean? So for those of you who don't understand that term, a food desert is a community that does not have access to a readily easy access to fresh food, economical food. Um, and, and, and so they have to either go out of their neighborhoods in order to get healthy food or they end up uh, using uh, fast food or takeout or, or stuff like that, which is readily available in these in these neighborhoods. So that's a food desert. The people in that neighborhood fought to get the tops um, built in that neighborhood. So it is the one place where everybody comes to because it's the one major supermarket in that neighborhood. And Johnny's from that neighborhood, so you know he can chime in. And my heart goes out to you as well, Johnny. And so. When you start to think about this, this gunman knew where to go in order to find black folk. Why? Because of systemic racism, right? And mom hits it right on the head. Red Line District hits it right on the head. In Buffalo, that neighborhood, Buffalo as a whole, is one of the most segregated neighborhoods, not in, in New York City, not in the Northeast, in the entire country. And so when you start to think about segregation and you think about people being separated, everybody automatically thinks of the South. And you think of all of the different places where, um, uh, you know, there is documentation of where there was rules that segregated people. But meantime, in the North, and especially in the Northeast, segregation happens all of the time and it is and, and new jersey for instance is probably one of the most seg- if, if i remember the numbers seg- new jersey is the third most segregated state in the union in all of, of the united states it's in the northeast right and so this is a dirty little secret of the northeast is that we are metropolitan we have huge amounts of diversity but people live amongst themselves and so this is one of the reasons why 
this gunman was able to go to this particular neighborhood because he knew that over the years, all of the black people had been corralled into this space, right? And it is one of those neighborhoods where, like my mom just said, it was redlined, where uh, resources were denied to the black people that were living there. Um, loans were denied. And so you have all of the resources that other communities have not present in this particular community. And like I said, it was a food desert. So he not only knew where, which town to go to, but he also knew that he could go to the tops because, like Johnny says, it wasn't just a store. That was a community center where everybody congregated. And that's the sick nature of this crime. So when you read and it's like, oh, well, you know, he was a mass shooter or, and he, he didn't randomly pick tops. It was maniacal and nefarious to the highest degree with full intention on killing as many black people as he possibly could. Not a mistake. He didn't pick that town by mistake. And so this is, so, whew. there is a theory going around called replace, the Great Replacement Theory, GRT, right? And GRT is, speaks about the fact that um, white people in this country are being replaced as an ethnic majority and, and um, by all of these people coming in, all of these people being immigrants. Um, uh, it also speaks about uh, black people taking over the majority because of uh, their proclivity to have large families. Really? That's what we're doing? Right? So that is, and that is the manifesto upon which this man um, based his actions. That he was going to kill as many black people as he possibly could um, because they were taking over what was rightfully the, what, what was rightfully the white man's. I'd, 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 I'd like those people to then have a conversation with the indigenous people that they moved off of their land and killed and slaughtered in the thousands in terms of people moving people off their land that they were that was rightfully theirs. Right. Uh, Caitlin says, I'd like to know where the FBI terrorist task force was in this. They arrested this dude. They arrested this dude because he had similar, uh, you know, uh, Mackie, you know, he had similar actions or similar, uh, uh, he had similar machinations a year ago. They arrested him and they assessed him and decided that he was not a threat. A year later, he kills 10 people, shoots three more. And so there are a lot of things that we can pull out from this and really talk about the fact that, like, these conversations are not taken as seriously as they should be, primarily because the people who generally get affected are black and brown bodies. And speaking as a black and brown person, sometimes we feel in, in this country that we are disposable, that we are viewed as disposable. Oh, they just killed 10 more black people. Oh, oh man, right? And, and there aren't enough 
there isn't enough anger behind it because we are a, a loving, passive, and forgiving people that, uh, that there isn't enough of this anger that, with, with the pushback. And so there are a lot of conversations that need to happen and have been happening. But this is yet another example of how this nation allows for this hate to fester because it only affects black and brown people. How do we know? Tucker Carlson is on TV every night saying the same thing. Tucker Carlson has three, four million people listening to him every single night saying the same thing. Where is the indignation for that message? Right? Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is on, on, on Capitol Hill saying the same thing. It may not be the same words that this, you know, this evil person that did the shooting in, in Buffalo, but she's saying the same thing. Where's her censure? They tried. Didn't happen. Right? So, and, and where is the indignation for that kind of hate from her own party? Why? Because the Republican Party has been standing on this. It's like, vote for us because the Democrats are pulling in immigrants from Mexico and all of these other places. And, uh, and they're trying to replace natural born. <laughs> this is the Tucker Carlson phrase. Natural born Americans with, uh, with immigrant votes. Because, you know, the Democrats let them in and they'll be loyal to the Democrats and they're trying to replace you with this immigrant votes. We have we have eight million people in just New York City. I, I, I forget what the it, you know, the United States population is, but the immigrant population coming from Mexico can't make a dent in natural natural born numbers can't make a dent. You'd have to import all of all of Mexico, and that's not happening. And you want to know where the majority of immigrants are coming from right now in this country? Drum roll. The Ukraine. That's where the immigrants are coming from. And it's not it's not even it's it's not even a one to one. Ukrainian immigrants are outpacing any kind of immigration from Mexico like it's not even it's not even close it's not even close and the speed by which they are getting processed is mind numbing so when when tucker carlson blows the dog whistle about mexican immigration just know that there are more people being immigrated into this country from the ukraine than any place else in this country any place else in the world and this is all the danger that's happening and it's happening right under our feet because, like I said, it is part and parcel of the messaging. And it looks different, but when you parse it out, it's all the same messaging. That the, the current power structure is under attack from people who want to take power away from them. And I say this all the time. It's the conversation about the fact that power in this country is, power and resources in this country is viewed as a pie. And therefore, if I give you a piece of the pie, I have a smaller piece of the pie. When in fact it is a, rigid, uh, a river, right? We in this country have an embarrassment of riches, an embarrassment of wealth, and it is a river. 
And the thing that people are not saying is that if I scoop out enough for myself, the river still flows and there is enough for everybody. And therefore, I don't have to dam the river up. I don't have to hoard the water. There is enough for everybody in this country, for everybody to survive. And there is no reason for homelessness in this country, no reason for hunger in this country, and there is no reason for poverty in this country, and it is ridiculous. And every time that disenfranchised people stand up for themselves, the elite class in this country pushes them down. And it is less about a race problem Although race and, and economic, you know, economic resources in this country are intertwined, it is about the disenfranchised people of this country never getting the, the, the opportunity to stand up for themselves. And this, is, this Buffalo issue is a microcosm of what is happening in our nation. And it is at a head right now, people. Um, people are being radicalized all across the country on this platform and so this is not the action of a random a, a random person this is not the action of some random theory who picked up one this is a radicalized a radicalized uh, a, a movement that is continuing to build and continuing to grow and something has to happen in this country or else we are at a tinderbox stage and somebody's going to light the fuse, and it ain't going to be right. It ain't going to be good. Whew. Said says, well, they, uh, said, said says, well, they like those, yeah, they like those immigrants. Yes, the, the ones from the Ukraine. Um, uh, just speaking about these theories and, and, and despicable rhetoric, like what we talked about, uh, Brenda says, we have to blame the former leader who berated people from Mexico. It didn't start with him. And see, this is the thing. Everybody wants to blame Trump. It didn't start with Trump. Trump made it, made it sexy to be able to say these things out in public and to enact policies and procedures uh, with an emboldened chest. It did not start with him. And this is the fallacy that, oh, well, this all started with, you know, the, the president four years ago. This is long, long time coming. Uh, Cortez says not enough for everyone, enough enough for everyone, brother. No reason for poverty. Absolutely. Um, also says tell it like tell it like it is. White power, white power elite and wannabe white folk are afraid of losing power and losing their racial whiteness. It's, this country is built on uh, white supremacy, and there is no way of getting around it. And we have to have a great reckoning in this country, and that's. That's something that has to be figured out. We have to have a great reckoning in this country or else this will continue to happen. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with my top five animated films. I know, just a really hard left on this conversation, but I promised it. That's what we're going to do. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Woo! All right. Uh, Tough conversation uh, before Liz says, uh, f just looking at what we, uh, from last time, um, Cortez says, 6019, this stuff started, yeah, uh, Stat says, look at what's happening, Elon buying Twitter, not claiming he's Republican because the Democrats are spewing hate, 
Yep, Tinderbox. Uh, Liz says, Tinderbox moment, like summer 2020 with all the pro. Where are the collective outrage and reckoning now? 2020 was not a Tinderbox. As much as it looked like a Tinderbox, 2020 was a summer protest. But if you want to really talk about Tinderbox moments, um, 1919 was a Tinderbox moment. Where 1919-1918-1920, when people were killed in the streets for what they believed. That didn't happen in 2020. And so as much as I loved what happened in 2020 and the summer protests and the way that they, you know, people took up action and took to the streets, when the city opened back up and when the world opened back up, people went back to their jobs and the activism dwindled. It didn't stop because there's still activists out there. But, you know, I, I'm looking around. I, you know, maybe it's not being covered, but... There aren't nearly as many protests about what happened in Buffalo as during the George Floyd thing. Where is the righteous indignation for um, the way that this guy was arrested? You know, just calmly put into handcuffs and sat in the back of a car. Meanwhile, people like George Floyd and, and black people across the country had, a knee, had have knees in their back and are shot and, and brutalized. There was a an incident in... Oh, God, was it Staten Island where a guy saw cops run up to, to, to his park and was like, yep, I'm out. And he, because he left, the cops followed him and beat the crap out of him. He didn't do anything. But the cops beat the crap out of him because he left when they showed up. Listen, if I'm hanging out, I'm a black person, I might leave when the cops show up too. Just saying. Because living while black, right? Living while black. Uh, Victoria says, it, I don't think it's only desensitization. I think that it is emotion exhaustion as well. It is. It is completely emotion exhaustion um, because it is constant, constant, constant hitting on these notes. All right, listen, we could talk about this for hours, and we will probably re revisit this again next week. Uh, I want to get you my top five and then let you get back to your lives. And, you know, I, I appreciate that you all stick around with me, but I also know that you all got stuff to do. All right. Uh, just to take it on a lighter note. All right, so listen, there are uh, a couple of, like I said, I thought that this was going to be a pretty easy uh, top five to deal with. Uh, it turns out that I like uh, animated films more than I than I would like to uh, to to admit. So first and foremost, there are a couple of couple of films that did not make the cut. Um, you will be surprised to know that the new Space Jam did not make the cut, <laughs> right? Um, but there are a couple of films that were that people are probably like wondering how come it didn't like uh, uh, Big Hero Six did not make the cut, uh, Encanto even though the soundtrack was dope did not make the cut, uh, Story uh, Toy Story Four, Kumba and the Two Strings really good movie didn't make the cut, um, Nine for those of you who have never seen Nine it really, you should go check that out excellent movie didn't make the cut, Coco. Uh, Sausage Party, <laughs> Sausage Party uh, is a ridiculous movie, and I almost put it in my top five, but I was like, this, I, I, I can't in good conscience knock out the ones that actually made the top five. Um, so, here's my top five, and spoiler alert, it is not five, it is actually six, because I could not narrow it down to five. Uh, but... My top five, <laughs> Victoria says, not Sausage Party. Yes, I 
love Sausage Party uh, because it is a ridiculous movie and it takes you someplace that nobody even dared to go <laughs> because nobody should. Anyway, so um, Incredibles did not make the cuts. That yeah, I, I know it's 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 crazy. So number one, my number five A is makes the top five because of uh, personal reasons and and it's just uh, just for me uh, because it's one of the first um, the first animated movies that I ever saw and it is uh, and it makes the top five because it's nostalgic to me uh, and a lot of you have probably not seen this movie the movie that's in my my top 5a is heavy metal and like I said, a lot of you have probably not seen Heavy Metal, but when I was a kid, this was the first animated movie that took itself seriously. And it wasn't cartoony, it, it had a serious sci-fi, heavy, heavy metal um, driving soundtrack. And so Heavy Metal as a movie is nostalgic to me, so that's my 5A, right? Um, my number five, it should be higher up, but I had a real hard time with the with my top five. So this movie should be higher up, but it's not higher up because the reason that it's in my top five is for the first five minutes of the movie is what everybody loves this movie for. Um, and my number five is Up. Up. First five minutes is the greatest love story that was ever told on film. If you have not seen Up, you all you have to watch is the first five minutes, right? And so, um, Up is my number five. It is a heartwarming. I, I can't get through the first five minutes of that movie without shedding a tear. It is heartbreaking, uh, but it's the greatest love story that's ever told. Uh, in a short period of time. That first five minutes should be its own short film, and then we look at the rest of the movie. All right. My number four is a modern, is, is a newer movie, and probably everybody is like, well, how did that make to the top five? Um, but Sing is my number four. And Sing is my number four because of the music, right? The music, for me, is what makes this movie... But really, the story of a mother trying to find herself, um, a, a guy trying to separate from the family business, even though the family business is crime, um, and, and, a, and a woman, elephant, finding her voice and just blowing everybody away was really an amazing storyline for me. I have not watched Sing 2 yet because I almost don't want to defile Sing because it was such a good movie. All right, my number, my number three is a movie that a lot of you probably slept on and have not watched, but it was nominated for an Academy Award uh, for an, an animation, and we found this movie a couple of years ago, or last year, actually, uh, during a Saturday morning, let's watch a movie, and let's click on and see. Mitchell versus the Machines is a great movie. Mitchell vs. the Machines is, I, as a father, it brought a tear to my eye 
because there that's a part that's a place that my me and my daughter will probably get to in terms of diverging uh interests and diverging uh ways worldviews and being able to have a conversation with your daughter and Mitchell versus the machines is heartwarming to me and like take away all of the take away all of the the what you call it the 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 sci-fi piece of it it's really a story about a father and a daughter really trying to find a space where they can communicate before she goes off into the world i.e college and it's well done it's well written um it is it it really is uh, a great movie and like i said it's a modern movie that moved its way all the way up into my top five um and so I loved Mitchell and the Machines. Uh, if you have not seen it, you are missing out. Go check it out. My number two is, uh, it, is again, something that really is a throwback to how I grew up, but really seeing it modernized and becoming um, and, be, and, and showing something different to a modern audience is uh, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, right? And so... That movie that introduces Miles Morales to to the world was done impeccably. I mean, it won the award, right? So it, it was a really good movie to just be able to look at a character that I had seen all through my childhood and read the comic books and have the comic books and then be able to see myself in that character through Miles Morales and, and really have them look at the characters as authentic like the father and the and the uncle and the mom really is a, a, a and a really good representation of what that family dynamic looks like and like the, the scene that i love the most is that he was getting out of the car his car his father's a cop he's getting out of the squad car and he says to his, he says to miles uh i love you son and he forces his son to say I love you. And that moment, it was like, at, at that moment, as, as kids, you're like, ah, I don't want to really say this to my dad. And he puts it on the, on the speaker, on the, on the loudspeaker. Um, but it's really that moment in every parental uh, thing that you remind your child that this is how we express love. This is, or this is who we are. And don't act brand new because you're in front of your friends. But it's also that moment where you're like, uh, my job as a parent is to embarrass the crap out of you. And I do the exact same thing to, to my daughters. It's like, I love you, right? So just really shouting it out to them and making sure. So, all right. So, again, my so we're at my number one, but here's my, my six. is Heavy Metal, then Up, Sing, Mitchell versus the Machines, and Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. And so my number one animated film is a film that I've actually, and to this day, do workshops on to showcase all the different ways that uh, different identities and different isms throughout society. And it is a brilliant film. It is a film that I continue to use to really show social justice and societal issues um, on a consistent basis. And the reason that it is great is because it removes humans from the equation that people already have an idea of how this if you i'm seeing a black person on stage um or on the screen i know what I, my opinion of black people are and therefore i already have a preconceived notion of how they're going to react to this particular situation 
And this movie removes all of that by re replacing all of the human characters with animals. And of course, I am talking about Zootopia. Zootopia is a brilliant film. It is by far my favorite animated film. And like I said, I do a whole workshop on how Zootopia really explains all the social mores and, and social issues uh, and really break down things like tokenism to, you know, uh, uh, there's even scenes in there about, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, being a disenfranchised, uh, you know, uh, community. There's... Um, all of this stuff in Zootopia. Uh, if you ever want me to do that presentation, I can uh, send you a clip of me doing it. Uh, and and I, I'm more than happy to do it for your organization. But Zootopia, if you have not watched Zootopia, I don't know where you've been. But Zootopia is my number one animated film of all time. Um, and I hope you guys uh, love my top five slash six uh, today and this week. And I want to thank you for hanging with me. Thank you for... Hanging with me with my sharp left on the animated films. And I hope you enjoyed. And feel free to leave your animated films in the comments as we go forward. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been another week of uh, craziness. And uh, this has been the Greenhouse Effect. And we will see you again next week. My name is Hayden Green. I have been your favorite polymath from Brooklyn. And I will see you next week. Go out and be warm to another human. See y'all later.